Okay, so this is one of these times, like uh, Andrew told us, not to self-censor. So if you have a question, come on down and you can ask a question of Andrew. And I'm actually going to invite Nate Fisher to come up as well, since we'd have time for, for questions for him. Come on down. Come on. And then if you got a question, just come to this mic and ask Andrew and Nate. Well, you've got the opportunity. Don't be shy. Someone's got a question. Thanks for your uh, talks, gentlemen. This can go to either one of you, but spoke a little bit about not shying away from authority as well as basically Christian power being exercised through business. I was curious if there's any sort of priesthood of the believer where you see people saying, look, I'm not in a formal you know, priestly role here, but this is, this is a representation of Christ in a powerful way um, that involves yeah, either government or money. Uh, how do those things work with the Bible? So, uh, I don't think you need to think of it as a priestly role. Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. And uh, I think in that nature, you could be in a uh, kingly role as a, uh, at, in a position of authority. So, I think we want to, we actually want to focus on all three aspects of his nature. And I would, I would say that that kingly aspect of his nature is part of what has been diminished by most evangelicals in their view of Christ in society, and I think that contributes to uh, the diminished view of authority. Yeah, I would agree. Don't be afraid of authority. Don't be afraid of taking authority, but you need to remember that uh, authority flows to those taking responsibility. So start by just taking responsibility for stuff. Like, our community needs a coffee shop. Then I'm going to start a coffee shop. Our community in Moscow needed a housing development. So I started a housing development. Maybe it's a terrible idea, but it's like somebody needed to do it. And so if you take, if you take, and here's what's interesting. When you start to succeed in business, when you start to work your tail off, when you start to be ambitious for your community, you start to have a bigger impact than you realize. Uh, the mayor of Moscow asked me out to lunch on occasion to ask my opinion on stuff. And he is a homosexual liberal, but he really, and is that a date? I don't know, anyway. Um, <laughs> think about it. Um, but, but, but because when you succeed, then people are going to come to you and take and ask your opinion on things. And so that's one of the things you should be striving for, and that's where it's, it's very external focus. I am going to take responsibility, and authority is going to flow to me, and then I'm not going to be afraid of that authority because I am under the authority of Christ. Right? And if you think about it like that, then you should feel very comfortable being the boss. It's only a day if you go out of town. Right. It's only a day to go out of town, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna ask a question. So, um, Andrew, you said that um, we often don't set goals because we don't want to fail. Right. Uh, and then the, the parable, Nate, that you referenced um, in Luke 19, the, the servant that got one minor and took no business risk, he was judged as a result. So, would you say that is taking risk as a Christian a matter of obedience? In other words, can we be Christians and not take risk? I think you're being a disobedient Christian if you don't take risks, right? And obviously, you know, if anybody's married, um, you have taken risks um, and asked a question, right? And so we take lots of little risks, but we want to grow up into risk-taking. We want to do it in a godly way. Um, and so don't feel like your first risk is, 
I'm going to run for the President of the United States. Everybody's doing that, but that doesn't mean you should. Uh, and so I would say that, like, start with little risks and take, be ambitious in those. Am I going to push myself to do this? Am I going to, uh, I, uh, I was challenged new sales reps at Red Balloon. I want you to walk downtown and act, ask 20 people for $100. Just out of the blue. And you'd be surprised how many people actually pull out their wallet and give you $100. You try it sometime. But it also helps you uh, break that fear of, of taking a risk. Try it sometime, but seriously do it. <laughs> And, and just to follow up, so, and this kind of goes to your point, Nate, if you've got another comment, please add it. But um, so we, we often think of like a profit motive, right? The profit motive, why do I want to make a profit? It's maybe it's to consume, maybe it's financial security, maybe it's, uh, as you said, Andrew, you want to be the kind of person that can give away a million dollars this year, a million dollars every day. But what the argument I heard you making, Nate, was there should be a profit motive in order to have authority in order to actually care for others, to, to, to love your neighbor, to have authorities you can protect others, kind of like perhaps using the, the analogy of Elon Musk, he was able to protect a digital space for a freedom of speech. Can you speak to that? Yes, yeah, so to that second question, it's, I would say it's a, I, I was speaking particularly, I would say to those who feel a, an element of political vocation. And uh, so I don't, I don't know that I would say that's an obligation for everyone, but, it was mostly a, a point about how I believe that business can be an effective vehicle for a lot of times I think there's people feel attention they feel like they should go into public service or business uh, and, and those my point is those drawn to public service in a world where our political system may be very dysfunctional may actually find business as a vehicle for that kind of change so uh, it, it's, I don't know that I would apply it to everyone I'll go to the risk ones. The risk one is actually, it touches on something I've spoken about in much more depth than other places, but if you go to the original, some of the original natural law criticisms of usury were grounded in the sin of omen. And the view was that money, money without risk taken, it's just given in a very, uh, in a riskless way is actually sterile and it's an improper way to try to produce something out of nothing. And so the same doctrine that would condemn, uh, the same doctrine that would condemn sterility, contraception, all that would condemn, uh, would condemn approaches to financial engineering that, that try to engineer away the rest. And I think, I, I'm not sure how I feel about, about all usury criticisms, but I think if you look at the prevalence of our society today, uh, very clearly there's a, pervasive sterility when it comes to children and decline of children. And I think we have a society where our financial system time and time again tries to engineer away the human risk, the human judgment, the creative and human that goes into that and replace it with something that pencils up perfectly on a spreadsheet to be riskless. And if you think about it, sort of nothing nothing better suits our financial system today than maybe an apartment building or, or even better a bond and we've we've moved away from a system that takes risk on people where where bets on people are actually the center of it. I think that should be the center of a vibrant uh, living finance. Thanks guys. Uh, I think I've heard Doug Wilson say that anything that the world can do, evangelical Christians can do half as well a decade later. Um, now he usually says that in relationship to the creative arts, but 
as you are both advocating for essentially Christian or conservative alternatives to uh, cultural norms in the business world, how do you navigate those waters? Especially, I think both of you had secular world business success before you sort of moved into your current venture. So how, how do we think about that as God-fearing Christians who want to take risks and be successful? Um, so um, I think there's a real danger right now in this freedom economy that we're talking about of people riding on the laurels of like, hey, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, you should give me a big discount. And I've got a really crappy product, and but look, we're all Christians. It's fine. Um, I think that is very, very dangerous, and I think that's going to uh, be the thing that will scuttle this movement uh, if anything does. Is uh, is a lack of um, ambition in a quality product or a quality service. Um, we should be more creative than our pegging counterparts. I think we can take ideas from them. They have a lot of common grace. They're smart people. But we should absolutely take that and extend it beyond that. And I'll give you an example of that. So um, at Red Balloon, like everybody hates job boards because everybody just hates posting jobs. If you're ever an employer, you post a job, it's this post and pray, it's this miserable experience. Um, and you get thousands of applicants from India who are just trying to collect unemployment insurance. I don't know how that works, but there it is. And so that's what's happened. Um, and, and the alternative is you go by, you get a recruiter that's you're going to pay 40% of the first year's salary, um, and then you're going to lose your shirt. And I don't want to be able to put a shirt on anymore because I'm old. So those are your alternatives. So what do you do? Um, and so we're like, okay, well, we believe that the hiring process is, is a distinctly human process. Um, and so while we can use technology to help humans be more efficient, we want to be distinctly human um, because Humans are made in the image of God, and having an algorithm decide whether your resume gets through or not um, is, a, um, is a dehumanizing of the person who's applying who's trying to change their life by getting this job, right? And so we're trying to figure out what's a, what's a way that we can think about that is, that is distinctly different, right? So the industry category, absolutely. We can, we can steal from them. They have good ideas. They have bad ideas. Let's take the good ones and leave the bad. Uh, but then how do we innovate past that? Um, and unfortunately, there's a lot of businesses that have not been innovated past that, and they're just freedom economy, it's gonna be great. Um, I think those businesses are gonna struggle. Uh, and so that's how I'm thinking about it, and I think all the businesses that are successful will be thinking like that. How are we following our great creator and being the most innovative because we know how the world works? If you do that, then you're gonna create the best businesses. Totally great. Damn. Damn. <laughs> I've concluded that in order to grow my income, my business, productivity, and my influence, I need to hire help. But I've never hired a full-time employee before because um, I'm worried about what that will do to you know, my net, and um, I have trust issues. How, what can you tell me to help overcome that, take that step, risk it first? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, I mean, that's what the whole talk is, right? You've got, um, absolutely, hiring a person is an opportunity for things to go badly. Um, it's also an opportunity for things to go great. Um, when I started, and I talk about this, when I started MZ in Moscow, Idaho, I just moved from the Bay Area, I'd done the dot-com thing, uh, had a great time, moved up to Idaho, there were no jobs, um, and so I thought, I need to create jobs. And I wanted to create jobs because I wanted to have prosperity in our community. I wanted to see wealth creation 
um, partly I'm very selfish in this because we did not have any good restaurants, and I know that if people have good jobs, they go out to eat more. We have better restaurants. I get fatter if it worked. So um, that's one, but really, so our initial business goal was 50 people earning over $50,000 a year in Moscow, Idaho. 50 to 50. That was that goal. This is a big, ambitious goal. Everybody thought I was absolutely insane for setting a goal like that. And so part of what is going to help you get past this, this, uh, this concern about being ambitious is set a goal and have a why. Well, why are you hiring someone? Are you hiring someone to make your life better? Are you hiring someone to make their life better? Are you hiring someone so you can spend more time with your kids? Are you hiring someone so that you can play more golf? Right? And so if you know why you're doing this thing, um, that's really important. The last thing I'll tell you on this is Nisa Talib, who did go COVID crazy, but has a lot of really interesting thoughts. He said, when you're thinking about risk, you need to think about it like this. The worst case scenario is the only one that matters. So the worst case scenario is the only one that matters. So play it out. Let's say you hire an employee. What's the worst that could happen? Well, it's actually probably not as bad as your subconscious right now is telling you right now. Because that's the reality is, the if you haven't really thought through a problem, then you're just afraid of the unknown. But if you're like, I'm gonna write down, what does it look like when I hire someone and they're terrible? Well, I fire them. Well, I guess that wasn't too bad, um, <laughs> right? And so, but that's, that's part of it is, think through the worst case scenario. Um, you can think through the best case scenario and have a good why. And then honestly, the risk kind of goes away. Like, well, I'm trying to accomplish this thing. If you, if you focus and obsess on how it can go badly, then it will go badly and you're gonna be balled up in knots. If you're like, okay, what's the worst case scenario? It's not that bad, I can live with it. And what's the point of this? I'm trying to bless my family, I'm trying to bless my community. Okay, well, I as a man need to take that risk and it's time, strap in. Get yourself a seatbelt and have at it. Thank you for your talks. Um, you talked about being ambitious in your in your jobs and also being focused on other people. So what are some habits that y'all have developed in your lives to aggressively pursue your business, but to also aggressively pursue Jesus and other people? High level lie. It, it, it's, it's something I'm constantly working on. I think I live an integrated, I'm drawn sort of naturally to an integrated life, so I, I'm happiest when what I'm doing feels very closely related to uh, what's important to me. And in, in my case, I started, uh, I, I started two organizations, actually, one which was shaping the, the sort of spiritual side of the vision, the other that was focused on the business side of the vision. And in many ways, I had a natural gift in, in one of those. I, I was an expert at, I had new business, I knew investment. I learned every day from American Reformer, from articles on American Reformer. So I, I made sure that I made sure that I had people who were surrounding me who were constantly shaping and informing what was uh, was an area that I knew that I I could grow in, and if I were to succeed at the level that I wanted on the business side, I needed to grow in. And uh, so I think for any anyone in any position, making sure that you have the people on the Christian side who are in, 
informing you in ways that are going to be important if you succeed, not just where you are today? Let me give you a really deep answer you would have never thought of. Read your Bible every day. Uh, no, I, I mean, you know, do a Bible reading challenge. Uh, do something where you're forcing. I have to be a systematic person because I'm a naturally lazy person. If given the opportunity without Jesus, I would watch football all day and be like 400 pounds and eat burritos. But uh, praise the Lord, that's not the case. Um, but I would say uh, I have to be systematic. So I have um, certain rules I set up about how many nights away I'm, I'm willing to be um, away from my family for business-based things. I am always home for dinner because that has to be a priority. I will not allow any meetings to go beyond that. Now, do I put the kids to bed and then get back to work sometimes? Sure. Do I go in early and die to self by being sleep deprived? Sure. Um, but you need to set just set rules for yourself. Like, what are the most important things in your day? If the Bible reading is the last thing you do because you're busy with homework or work or whatever, yeah, your priorities wrong. If your Bible reading is okay, I'm going to do this first, or I'm going to listen to my Bible on the way to work, and I'm going to really focus on it. That's okay. So just set yourself reasonable goals and framework to just have rules for yourself. That, that, that's what works for me. I don't know if that's the right thing for everybody, um, but that's what I would just say is set goals around your spiritual goals. I want to get better at my prayer life with this year. Okay, well, what does that mean? I want to pray more specifically. Okay, well, let's, how many times do you want to pray more specifically? So again, use some of those business principles to just give yourself specifics and hold yourself accountable. And then you're going to be fine. Right. That's great. So we're at time, but what, what I'd like to do before y'all exit the stage is if people want to follow what you're doing, they want to see what you're up to, what's the best way to keep track? Websites, social media handles, knocking at your door. It's that meme. You know, the girl's like, hey, I've got three people following me. Is that good or bad? Well, on in social media, it's bad. On the street, also bad. Um, so uh, I would say uh, I'm on Twitter, although I'm not very good at social media. So you can go to a crappy shots. It's the normal spelling of crappy shots. Um, you can also go to Red Balloon Work at Red Balloon Work on all the social media platforms. You can go to Red Balloon dot work. It's not dot com because dot com stands for communists. I don't know if you know that. And so uh, so you can go. That, that's how I guess you can follow me, or you can come up to Idaho and I usually drive, I'll show you the route, and you just follow me up. So, uh, I'm very, I am very active on Twitter, and uh, I'm learning. I'm, uh, I have a guy on my team who's much better, but uh, doesn't see a suit, so I can't share his, uh, just can't share his account. And uh, I put in the work on Twitter, which I don't know if that counts as, uh, Good stewardship of time or not, but uh, Nate A. Fisher at Nate A. Fisher on Twitter, primary uh, primary place that I'm active. Uh, you can also go to the website. There's American Reformer. I'm less active there. It's a product of something I have to create. But then Newfounding, uh, Newfounding.com, Venture Firm. Uh, you can find out about the fund. You can find out about. Uh, you can submit deals. We have a deal room where you can uh, submit for consideration for investment. And uh, in general, send me a, a DM if you want to reach out. I, uh, a lot of what my business comes down to is sort of flying that flag with a set of values in a place where there's not a lot of uh, ways of people getting connected where those values matter. So Andrew's particularly focused on the, the people and the talent and the hiring, but wide range of business decisions. Just shoot me a message and I love to uh, hear and 
maybe someone else's message to me or something that would be on the other side of that. So, yeah, good. Also, if you're hiring, you should get a regular dumper. And, sorry, I'm going to go to the whiskey night tonight, but I don't have a car. So if you see me wandering around and you want to give me a ride, do it. <laughs> uh, let's give a round of applause again.